Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Sports Council Podcast. My name is Matt and I am your host for today. I should be joined by special guests in a few minutes, but in the meantime, I would not be remiss to inform you that we're doing things a little differently, at least for this episode of the show. This episode is being recorded on a platform called Wisdom, which aims to become an innovator in social audio and podcasting. That means for the first and uh, potentially last time, depending on how this all goes, this episode is being recorded in front of a live audience. So uh, just in case any of you are unfamiliar with the Sports Council podcast and what we kind of talk about, uh, we are just a bunch of guys that talk about everything and anything currently going on in the world of sports. And, um, you know, typically we focus on football, basketball, and fantasy football. We tend to argue a lot, engage in spirited discussions. But above all else, we're here to counsel you in sports so that you may look like an expert to your friends. So when we're not on here, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, as well as follow us on Twitter, at Bay Council. So uh, let's get started here. So this episode in particular is going to be talking about the San Francisco 49ers, whose season just came to an end, unfortunately, on Sunday at the hands of the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams defeated the Niners for the first time in three years, 20-17, and it was an interesting kind of an up and down season for the Niners. They went ten and seven in the regular season. They were three and five at one point, and then they made a miraculous kind of turnaround and went on this huge run, starting with a win over the Los Angeles Rams on Monday Night Football. They proceeded to win, I believe, um, I want to say like nine of their next eleven games. But unfortunately, it came to an end at the NFC Championship. They were the sixth seed and. Even though they made it to the NFC Championship game, they ultimately fell just a bit short of expectations. I am joined today by our residential 49ers expert um, and my guest speaker, Vivek. How are you doing? It's been good, Matthew. How about you? It's been good as well. Um, I wish I could say I was a little bit happier about the 49ers right now, but you know, these tends of, kinds of losses tend to happen. So, yeah, it's been a tough season. I mean, we've had our ups and downs, but definitely made a really good comeback right in the second half of the year. And although it's a tough way to go out, there's a lot to be proud of. Yeah, and I, I do want to get your thoughts on the season overall, but I just want to get your initial uh, takeaways as far as the game was concerned last Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. I think that going into this game, you know, the third matchup with the Rams this season now, all of our marquee wins, the best wins that the Niners have had the whole season have been against the Rams. The first time when they faced off, the Niners season was on the edge of completely falling off. And they were just able to completely dominate the run game. And Debo Samuel had a huge national breakout uh, in Monday Night Football. And, I mean, he's already been getting the buzz and the adulation, but his name actually became a household name at that point and then obviously the very last game of the season you know backs against the wall you got to win to make the playoffs and Jimmy G led a very improbable comeback down 17-0 at the half or, and then he was able to come back and get us in the playoffs and we made it as far as we did so with that spirit in mind you know there was the advantage that the Niners did have they won the past six games uh against the Rams and the Rams definitely adjusted this game um what they did was that they sold out um 
every single time. Uh, their defense, they basically stuffed the box. You know, where every time that Elijah Mitchell and Debo got the ball, Debo did have that great run to the end zone. I think it was something like 30, 40 yards. And, but every other time, it seemed like the Rams were able to have an answer to the Niners' offense, really. And I think that's been the major predicator of their success throughout the whole season. And the Rams were able to finally stop that. The second thing I think, too, is that the oh, offensive line just kind of fell apart near the end. You see the blown coverages by Compton, by Brunskill. Uh, Trent Williams is not his usual self. You know, The high ankle sprain definitely got to him, and he was not playing um, very concisely. You know, There were some blown coverages that he had. He didn't look like his usual self. And although he is still a great player, even when he is slightly injured, you know, the offensive line just wasn't able to hold up. And at the very end, you saw Vaughn Miller, you saw Aaron Donald. Those guys got to Jimmy near the end. And at that point, it was just a done deal. Um, what did you think about the game? Well, unfortunately, you know, I felt like I saw this coming. It was obviously the worst case scenario because, you know, I'm a Niners fan. And um, I obviously want my team to win, especially against the Rams because they are divisional rivals. You know. I think the thing is when you face a team two times and you beat them two times and then you have to face them a third time in the same season, that third time, they are going to be extra motivated to beat you. And I think that when that happens, they tend to make the adjustments. They tend to have to have come in with a game plan in order to win, whereas the other team may need to just, you know, they just think that they have to do the same thing in order to win the game. And I'm not saying that Kyle Shanahan, you know, didn't do a game plan against the Rams. I'm just saying that his game plan for success was exactly what the Rams probably anticipated because it's worked so many times and it'd be dumb to kind of deviate from that game plan. But at the same time, you can't just make a whole different game plan because what if, you know, that just doesn't work because you literally have the game plan in mind that has already won six straight games against the Rams. You can't really fault him for not trying to deviate from that. The Rams just adjusted and those adjustments ended up working. So yeah, definitely, Matt. Yeah, I, I yeah. think the thing is that everyone knows how the Niners play. You know, Kyle Shanahan's offense has been extensively documented at this point. Everyone kind of knows our limitations as a team, what are strengths that we play towards and how we want to basically play offense. You know, the defense is obviously held up, especially in the second half of the season. But given the limitations, some of the erratic decisions that are there with the quarterback position that we've had this year, and, you know, Debo being the multifaceted weapon that he is, everyone kind of knows what the scheme is and kind of how to stop that. The Niners have been the ones that have been dealing blows upon blows to the Rams. But, you know, the Rams finally had an adjustment. They finally had an answer ready. They knew what was going to happen, and, they adjusted like good teams do. And at that point, you can't really blame Kyle for that. You know, there is a decision on fourth and two uh, around the fourth, I'd like to say, where they decided to go and punt it. Um, that was something that I could point out to and be like, okay, what were we thinking, Kyle? The other thing you can blame Kyle maybe about is, you know, when you have, let's say, t 10 minutes left in the game, right? The last time Debo Samuel had a touch was in the, 10-minute mark in the fourth quarter, and he didn't get the ball a single time after that. And let, let's say that we're talking about the Warriors, right? You know, we're, we're at two, three minutes left in the fourth quarter. 
you want to give Steph Curry the ball. You want to give your best player the ball to have him go ahead and make plays. And you live and die by that. Debo Samuel single-handedly dragged this entire team's and really the whole offense, really. He dragged the entire team to this point, to the NFC Championship game. We'd be remiss to not point out the impact that Debo's had on the entire team, what he sent to the offense, how he basically makes plays all by himself with no help. And Cal just didn't trust him with the ball. I don't know if it was because of the injury that happened around the end of the half, but it was just kind of baffling to me. Why would you, why would you not give Debo the ball at that point? I don't think it was a trust issue. I think that Kyle, I think it was a couple of factors. I think Kyle was just trying to pass it a lot. I don't think we had a single run play as well, especially in those last two drives. We had three straight passes and that typically doesn't work. We're not a pass heavy team. We're a run team. And Jimmy has been able to make good throws over the middle, especially when it comes to the Rams. Um, they're more of a boundary team and we can work those linebackers over the middle and it worked for a lot of the time but at the same time yeah I don't know whether it was because I think they also mentioned the fact that Debo Samuel was not on the field he wasn't even just you know taking snaps at that point I think he was gassed at a certain point and that's my main concern when it comes to Debo is you know He's amazing when he has the ball in his hands, but at the same time, how long is that going to really last? Because the more carries, the more snaps you get, there's a reason why the longevity at running back is not you know, particularly long because they tend to just get injured and you aren't able to um, like see Derrick Henry. He had like hundreds and hundreds of carries over the past couple of years and he finally um, kind of broke his foot in the middle of the season that's something i worry about with debo because he's already had an injury plague season last year and he suffered a couple of injuries already um just think back to the green bay game he got injured twice in the exact same game he got injured in this game as well so that's something to consider as well maybe he wouldn't be as effective with the ball especially when he's so gassed but i do agree with you they needed to give him more touches at the end of that uh game i think that biggest one that just I don't know what it was but it felt like you know LA was just gonna have this one it felt like you know the NFL just wanted you know it was destined for LA to get their home game they got what they wanted they got their Los Angeles Super Bowl I think above all else there there were just some general questions with the Niners offensive line um you know they just didn't hold up at the end the last drives were just dramatic of how the, the Rams defense, the defensive line just completely bo- broke through. You know, Brunskill missed some key blocks. So did Compton too. You, that very last um, interception throw by Jimmy would just try to flick it off. That was really at the heels of a blown tackle by Brunsk, uh, by Compton. And those types of things, I, I was looking at the tape earlier today. Uh, initially, my gut reaction was to blame Jimmy Garoppolo, right? You know, he's been the guy that's been known to make right decisions, doesn't know how to take care of the ball very well. You know, his ball placement was suspect. You see that too. Um, when it comes to the throws in the first half, that very first drive, that very first throw, he had to have made that. You know, that was an open that was an open man right there. The other thing too that you have to look at too, I think right near the end of the second quarter, there was a throw to Ayuk too that he should have hit and that was missed as well. 
And then in another throw, he tries to bootleg it to Juwan Jennings in the end of the third. That one, he doesn't take a downfield shot over there, even though Juwan Jennings was open. So, I mean, at that point, you can't really blame Jimmy Garoppolo because we we all know that he's a known quantity at this point, right? You know, he's not going to be the guy that's going to be gunslinging it, sending it downfield, taking a deep shot. But if his specialty is just going to be dinking and dunking down the middle, you have to be able to execute that. And Jimmy was just overthrowing his guys, you know, throwing left, throwing off his back foot all the time. And he didn't place the ball uh, consistently to where it needed to be. And if the run game isn't going to work, you're going to have to gain more yards by just having the short passing game. And and that really wasn't there. I, I do give him credit, though. That one throw to Kittle at the very uh, that one throw to Kittle, he, he did look good on that. I don't remember him growing for more than uh, 15, 20 yards like that in, in a minute. So, I mean, you know, got, it's, a, it's a better than average streaming game for him. I would say that. He had a deep pass to Ayuk. If Ayuk stayed in bounds, that would have been a touchdown. Um, yeah, so, he was completely open on that. Yeah, the Jennings one when he rolled out, Jennings was open. I do agree with you. I don't think Jimmy, just Jimmy in particular, is not good when he's outside the pocket. And that's just what happens. What I don't like from him is that, you know, yeah, you're gonna he's going to miss those passes. He's always going to miss a couple of passes that are just, you know, terrible because... Um, there's also one where he had um, Ayuk, and he was throwing a short pass to Ayuk. Ayuk stayed at the line of scrimmage, but Jimmy couldn't even get it to him. It, uh, went, it went into the ground. It was a terrible pass. One of the worst passes I've ever seen Jimmy make. What I didn't like was when he rolls out of the pocket, he's done this both time, all three times now in the playoff games. He rolled out in the Dallas uh, Cowboys game. To his right, throws a pick. And that changes the game. They scored a touchdown off that. In the red zone, right before the second ha- um, first half was over, he rolls out to his right again because he feels the pressure, sees George Kittle wide open, underthrows it, it's also picked. Then, in this game, he rolls out again from pressure to his right, sees, I want to say, Ayuk open, and Jalen Ramsey almost picks it off. Like, the thing is, once is okay, twice is wrong but to do it a third time that's the thing because jimmy is an eight-year veteran at this point he should not be making those passes especially when it happens in three consecutive games like especially when he has a broken thumb a bad shoulder it just it he needs to learn to make you know just the simple play he's a gunslinger in a way that he always wants to keep on trying to make the throws that sometimes he just cannot make in those uh, cases. And, you know, that's just a prime example of that. And I think that's why the Niners have to move on from him because, you know, these are just not the moves that you you want to see some growth in your quarterback. And I'm not saying he's declined in any sort of way, but I also don't think he's grown to a point where you can rely on him to win a Super Bowl because the Rams are going to game plan. Every team is going to game plan basically to stop the run make them win with Jimmy's arm. And we all know he can't really do that. Yeah, it doesn't tend to work out. So, And and I love how you brought this up, Matt, because I want to ask you this question too. Because I was thinking about this too earlier today, mm-hmm. and I think this question really changed my mind about what I think about Jimmy. So I just want to ask you this as well. Okay. So do you think that this season, Jimmy Garoppolo 
improved from what we've seen from him in the past. Do you mean relative to 2020 or 2019? Well, let's say 2020. 2020, yes. Because Jimmy was hurt basically the entire time. I think that, I mean, I think that he was basically the same, I want to say. I think he was a little bit worse than his version in 2019, which is just a more efficient kind of game manager. But at the same yeah. time, it's hard to, it's hard to judge it because <laughs> Jimmy was completely healthy back in 2019, whereas in 2020, I mean, 2021, he's got all these injuries, especially in the last stretch of games. So, you know, we don't even discount, I think, the ankle injury he suffered back in like week five or six. And that made Trey Lance have to come in for his first start. So Yeah, with the Cardinals. Yeah, he's been banged yeah. up all season. Yeah, I just don't think that, I think I see the same tendencies in him. He's great in the middle of the field, but he's not good in the boundaries. Um, he kind of throws high and wide, and then he's not great deep passing. He tends not to see the linebacker in coverage sometimes. If a linebacker is sitting um, you know, below the route, he tends not to see him, and then they tend to jump it. And oh, he always misses play. that. Yeah. Almost always. That's yeah. why you see so many deflections from him relative to other QBs, because he just isn't looking out for that. Yeah. I think he gets too locked in sometimes in the system, and he's not able to make enough plays on his own. Like, if the play breaks down, he's not able to kind of, you know, like that Mahomes kind of... He's not a natural improviser. I'll, yeah. I'll agree with that. And that's not a knack on Jimmy. Only the elite quarterbacks can do that. But, you know, you need more. I think you need more. And I think, you know, he does have his strengths. Again, great, great uh, passer down the middle of the field. If Quick release, a, too. Yeah, quick release. If you had a quarterback, like... If every quarterback could do it, they would. But, you know, it tends to get, you know, picked off when you go down the middle of the field because you stack, you know, kind of that, you know, it's easy to do that, right? But Jimmy, I don't know. He's really good in that particular range as well as the fact that, you know, he is just one of the most clutch QBs when it comes to third downs. I've never been more, I guess, confident in his ability to convert a third and eight, a third and nine. He almost um, always converts it. I think he yeah. led the, in the postseason in that conversion rate yeah. on thirds. Yeah. Like, you know, he might not be everything. He might not be the best quarterback. He might not be the one that's going to lead us to a championship. But, man, I do appreciate, you know, everything that he's done for us. Um, you know, he could have quit. He could have, you know, when Trey Lance was, when they traded for the picks and then he, they traded for, to pick Trey Lance, you know, he could have just pulled in Aaron Rodgers. He could have said, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And he could have held out for the entire training camp and whatnot. But no, he didn't. He continued to do his job. He continued to do his job after he hurt his ankle, after he broke his thumb, after he sprained his shoulder. And he never complained. He never complained once. He always kept it, you know, like he always like played for his guys. And he wanted to shed that kind of injury ridden label didn't do a very successful job of doing that this year but you know I, I respect jimmy so much more because you know he he carried us to the a nfc championship game again with a bad thumb and a sprained shoulder so you know and he always did it with a smile <laughs> so yeah. yeah that amazing smile that amazing smile amazing smile honestly he could be on gq instead of the nfl and no exactly. one would probably 
miss a beat. Exactly. So I, I wish him well wherever he goes next season. And I think that's the next topic I want to bring up. Where do you see Jimmy Garoppolo heading in the near future? Well, building off on top of what you just said right now, Jimmy Garoppolo's strengths, as you mentioned, include the ability to dump it off quickly to receivers down the middle, uh, playing with with the scheme of having a good defense behind you so you can help run out the clock, you know, being able to play within a system, you know, so good coaching. One where he isn't particularly trusted to be the focal point of the offense, but rather that game manager, facilitator-esque type of role. So that narrows out a bunch of options where he'd be on rebuilding teams. I do think that, you know, judging off the press conference today that he had, um, and also with Shanahan and Lynch talking, um, they all look to be uh, trading him or moving him to a contender. So think of teams in the scheme of maybe, let's say, the Steelers or the Saints, and heck, maybe even the Buccaneers too, you know. Those are three teams I can think off the top of my head that would probably have a guy like Jimmy that can come in and fit in pretty staunchly with their offense from the get-go. You know, he wouldn't be the guy over there, but he could be a very good leader, add some stability to the role, be a leader of men. I think that's also a very underrated aspect. He's one of the best locker room guys in the league by all means and accounts judging by the way that the whole team's rallied behind him, you know, especially in the lead-up, uh, all the noise surrounding him this whole season, and, you know, everyone, you know, honestly, rightfully, uh, pointing out his flaws as a quarterback. He still held it, held his poise, and been composed, and did it with a smile on his face, like you said. And, you know, just having that confidence as a leader, um, he would be very well-suited for a team that has a lot of veterans, that has the pieces to make a deep run, um, you know, needs somebody that can help feature, you know, good receivers, um, you know, good tight ends, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo and the George Kittle connection was always there. You know, he always knows how to get guys in good spots too. You know, every time he sees somebody open, um, like even though it's quite risky, he's the type of person that will make that risky throw and not play too conservatively. So I think that for a team that wants to be a little bit more brazen in how they play the game, I think Jimmy Garoppolo could be a good guy. And you put him around veterans to know how to uh, catch with some difficulties, with some ambiguity, uh, with a guy that might overthrow a little bit, but they'll have to stretch out a little bit more and get the ball. I think Jimmy can do that for teams that have a lot, a lot of vets and are ready to compete right now. Yeah. I think that he should go to... if. I was Jimmy, and if I was the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think this is a perfect match being made because I know Mike Tomlin says that he doesn't want a mobile. He wants a more mobile quarterback, but you know, literally anyone can you know be a little bit more mobile than Ben Roethlisberger at whatever age he was at in his last season with Pittsburgh. I think Jimmy would be a perfect fit there because he. There's there's some great talent in Pittsburgh. You got Chase Claypool, you got Deontay Johnson, and you got you know Pat Firemuth as your tight end. The offensive line is the biggest concern, but I think that you know if you invest, if you trade for Jimmy and you invest in your offensive line, I think that this is a great match, especially with this quick release. I think that would mitigate some of the concerns on the offensive line, as well as the fact that you know 
been at the end of the kind of you know season and kind of for the majority of the year was just unable to you know make any throws really at the end yeah he was bricks at the end it was just not working out for him yeah i think i think that you know jimmy i don't know if they want and you know to go from roethlisberger who wasn't able to have enough time to make deep throws to jimmy who may not just be able to make deep throws in general but i think that at least at the very least a short and intermediate passing uh plays that pittsburgh basically had to draw up for big ben because of the bad offensive line would work especially well for Jimmy, especially when he throws it down the middle. Because imagine, you know, I'm just imagining Deontay Johnson with all his receptions down the middle of the field on slant routes. I think he could do that. Oh, just, he definitely he could. Would explode with Jimmy, I think. So, and then you got Najee Harris in the backfield. You got a great defense. They, they probably have to build a little bit more on defense, but I think that if you. Got the foundation, sir, for sure. Yeah, you got TJ. And that's the thing, too, guy. right? Yeah. There, there's definitely some similarities to what. Uh, the Niners have and the Steelers have in terms of how the teams are set up. You mm-hmm. do have good weapons on offense, you know. You do have a great defense. You do have a great coach. And you have a quarterback that isn't being asked to do the most exactly. You know, you do miss some of the deep shots that you could take with Big Ben, even though, like you we were talking about just now, they didn't work all too well. But, uh, yeah. I mean, you can run a, a new dirt version of the playbook and you could get away with it and you could have a lot of success, you know. The Steelers with Jimmy G at the home could be a very good team. They could still maintain consistency. He would kind of be that bridge quarterback. Um, you know, he wouldn't, I don't know if he takes his game up another level per se, but, um, you know, not. he would be somebody that, that can give them some immediate success for sure. Yeah, if they're a playoff team with Big Ben, then yeah, I think they could definitely be a big uh, playoff team with Jimmy G. All right, but let's go back to now the 49ers here. Other than, you know, the big Jimmy Garoppolo departure, they do probably have a lot of other people that they should consider keeping. Some free agents as of note are, you know, Lakin Tomlinson, your starting left guard, Daniel Brunscale, your starting right guard, Nickel cornerback K1 Williams, nose tackle DJ Jones, uh, free safety, and unfortunately much maligned uh, Jaquiski Tart. Um, no side note on that, you know, it's it's a play that you know you should make, and it's going to be magnified to a huge extent, especially in the NFC Championship game, and especially if you lose. But you know, I can't blame him too much. He's put together a great season and. You know, everyone makes mistakes. It's not a, it's not a team. It's a team loss, honestly. Well, definitely, Jaquaski's been really good all yeah. season. You know, he's he was stepped up really hard too in the Green Bay game against Devontae Adams. He had a great uh, tackle on him after Adams got the ball and was running down the sideline, and I think from fifty yards away, you know, Kwaski runs down like. Like, if it was, like, a right triangle, I think that, he's yeah. running like it was a hypotenuse or something. There was that one Dan Orvlosky clip that I, I saw. That was Aaron and, Jones, yeah. Oh, that was Aaron Jones. Yeah, my yeah. bad. But, yeah, I mean, that's still a hustle play. And he's been making those types of plays. He's tried to stop big plays, too, you know, from the offense. And he's done a pretty good job of neutralizing those big-time throws, like, with Jimmy Ward, too. So, I mean, on the note about Jaquaski Tart, I also think that he handled the whole situation with a lot of poise and class as well. You know, I like that he took ownership of it, that he acknowledged that, you know, one missed play isn't definitive of his time as a Niner, what he's done for the whole team, and he's going to rise above it. 
and there's no malice in my heart. I hold no ill will, and I don't think the fan base should either. You know, he's been a very good part of the team, a very integral part of the secondary. You know, he's one of the better pieces for sure. So I I hope he comes back. I think that he's a good player. He's on the cheap too, and he definitely fits in with the timeline. Yeah, I hope he chins up and uh, just gets right back to work. As far as the players that also need extensions probably heading into this season, um, you know, we got Debo Samuel, of course, and Nick Bosa, both from the same draft class. We will probably see a fifth-year option be granted to Nick Bosa so they can keep him another year. And Mike McGlinchey, the much maligned right tackle who is out for the majority of the season, it that will be an interesting situation to uh, you know take place over the next couple of months. So with all of this in mind, where do you see the Niners kind of what kind of approach that do they need to take this offseason as far as the free agents they have, the extensions they need, as well as you know free agency in the draft? I'd say. I think the the first answer should be pretty obvious, right? You know, give Debo Samuel that extension. Um, get, just he's a blank check player. You know, he is the engine that makes the Niners just even work at this point. You know, you can't really throw any superlative at this point that can accurately capture what Debo Samuel has done for the Niners this season. I mean, he is an absolutely incredible player and. The Niners are definitely going to give him the money that he deserves. I mean, he deserves his own weight and gold, if I'm being honest. Uh, Lynch, in his press conference, said that he's going to be uh, giving Samuel and Bosa the extensions. Those have already been taken into account. So we can already pretty much rule out any, um, uh, let's say, any d- debate about whether he's going to be coming back or not. Um, that That's already been taken care of. So I think in terms of free agents to... Uh, kind of keep i think lakin tomlinson has been very good for the team you know he's been very good at that uh right guard spot um or rather left guard um dj jones has been i don't know how much value you can get for him but i mean k1 williams and brunskill too i mean those have been guys that have stepped up this season as well brunskill especially um so i mean those are guys that we i presume the Niners are going to keep because They've basically been starters or in the rotation for the latter half of the year. Um, I think Mike McGlinchey is going to be an interesting one, uh, too, <laughs> because yeah, yeah, last season was not the most uh, let's just say uh, I don't know selling of what he is able to provide. You know, he he was basically a sieve. It was it was really not a good season from him. And then he went down, and then we had Compton come in to replace him. So I really don't know. I really don't know what will happen with Glinchy, but I think they'll get him back for cheap. They'll retain him somehow. Um, but yeah, I mean, what do you think about that situation unfolding? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you in the Debo Samuel, Nick Bosa. You give them whatever they want. It's a blank check. Again, again, I, I just can't shake that feeling that Debo, this is like his best year. But at the same time, I'm worried about the fact that he is that he is a monster and he looks like an absolute tank, but I just worry about that wear and tear on his body. So I hope that they have some answers there for him. Um, so he doesn't have to bear too much of the offensive weight. You know, Lakin Tomlinson, you got to resign him. I think he might probably, the, the biggest concern is that, you know, a lot of these players took one year deals to come back. 
and kind of to help their value, especially with the COVID last year, the cap went down actually. So then it was harder to find deals. So K1 Williams came back on a one-year deal. Jaquiski Tart came back on a one-year deal. DJ Jones came back on a one-year deal. And now they're all free agents again. They proved their worth on the defense. And you could see, you know, bigger contracts being given out to them. So if I were to choose one out of K1, DJ, and Jaquiski, man, um, I'd probably have to go with DJ Jones because I think that the interior presence DJ Jones brings is just tremendous. And there's a saying, there's a saying, you know, edge rushers help win, you know, games. And, you know, it's like the second most important position behind quarterback. But at the same time, you can have a couple of average edge rushers and a dominant presence in the interior and you would still be able to win games because back in week 18 against the Rams, DJ just blew up the Rams center, Brian Allen. He was stopping all these runs. And then as well as the Dallas Cowboys games, he was doing the exact same thing. He's just been a monster the entire year. And I think that they need to reward his presence. And maybe they are able to find, you know, nose tackles aren't the most important position, but I think that DJ Jones has just continued to develop into this, you know, dominant player. And I think that you need to have him. It's just like, and I don't want to do this. I'm, I'm not even going to say it, but, you know, Aaron Donald has been able to make that defensive line for the Rams much more scary just by himself. And he's an interior defensive lineman. So don't discount the impact that they make. And I'm not saying DJ Jones is Aaron Donald. I'm just saying you need to have a good interior kind of presence as well. Eric Armstead, when they moved him inside, really kind of bolstered that rush defense as well. So He got unlocked after yeah. he moved Armstead in because yeah. that wasn't he wasn't playing his natural position up mm-hmm. until that point. Yeah, they're going to have to find a solution to the edge rusher position. They're going to also have to find out what they're going to do with Javon Kinlaw, who's also injured and much maligned. So... That, that's my question, yeah. too, because if we keep DJ Jones, what does that mean for Kinlaw? Kinlaw plays three techs. So you basically have Bosa on the edge. You got Kinlaw right next to him, I want to say. I'm, I'm not too familiar, but I'd say three tech is uh, Kinlaw. You got the one tech, which is your nose tackle, DJ Jones. And then you got another edge rusher, which tends to be D Ford. It could be Eric Armstead. D Ford is pretty much an afterthought at this point they're probably gonna have to cut him as well but yeah i don't think there's any trade value for him yeah so i think that when kinlaw got hurt i think they moved eric to the three tech i want to say which is his more natural position he does play sometimes on the edge but he just can't be you know he can't always play on the edge that's the thing so then if they i don't know it's gonna be hard i don't think they give up on kinlaw just yet but they got something they I think they usually have a lot of bodies at defensive line anyway. You know, you got Kevin Givens, you got, you know, Arden Key. There's a lot of just interchangeable players. Contavious Street, you know. So, you know It's a Kinlaw, pretty fungible group of yeah. guys, you know. That's yeah. one of the main strengths of D'Amico Ryan's when they stun with the line. Yeah. You know, every one of them has a particular looks that they're specialized at and they have a very innate talent. And they all bring it, you know. And th- that was one of the driving forces of this whole team, too, along with Debo. And so we are going to have to make some hard decisions in who to keep, they keep uh, who we the, retain. I mean, the defensive line keeps it fresh, right? If you have a fresh defensive line, 
They're always active. They're always able to make sacks. That's what the Philadelphia Eagles, that's how they won in Super Bowl 52 because they had just a bunch of first-round picks on that defensive line, and they kept rotating them to keep them fresh. You lost Buckner for sure, but, you know, if you just have interchangeable depth, a, a more active and energetic player is going to make the plays more than just the same guy playing 30 snaps already, and it's a no-huddle offense. Yeah, so, especially late in the game, too. I mean, yeah. that's what can break apart the game. So that's what brings me to what the Niners need to do in the offseason, which is what can you do to complement, which I already believe is a really good team. I think that they were just a couple pieces away from a championship back in 2019, and they were able to bring back kind of the same squad, you know, both times. And, um, you know, it didn't work in 2020. It was kind of an injury-plagued year. But in 2021, they were able to make it to the NFC Championship game, even with the limitations of Garoppolo, the injuries, and especially the injuries to the secondary, which is where the Niners should focus on. Because I think that a good pass rush mitigates those weaknesses back in the secondary. But at the same time, we saw that, you know, quick passes basically help kind of change that i think D'Amico ryan's did a great job in being able to kind of help the corners out a little bit you know they just basically played cover four cover three and kind of just let all the little passes go meanwhile they just had their defensive line just to like kind of take out everything in their way the front seven basically in particular so but that can't just be the same you know Good teams are going to find a way to circumvent a good defensive line, a good pass rush. They're going to throw it out quicker. So you need basically cornerbacks who can also play man coverage. They can do everything. I think Gambry Thomas is, you know, I'm, you know, I really hated on him for a good couple of weeks, but I think he is definitely getting better, and I would like to see him compete for the starting role next year. You got Emmanuel Mosley. You may have K1 Williams in the nickel, but if he doesn't return, and if Chikwesky Tart doesn't return. I would like to see some new pieces in the secondary. I think that cornerback should be their main point of emphasis. And I think that offensive line should be their second point of emphasis, especially when you got a new quarterback in there, Trey Lance. He's going to need some more time. And if you want to build upon a dominant run game, you get better run blockers, basically. And I think that Mike McGlinchey, he's a great run blocker, but he is not a good pass blocker, which is going to be a, a huge liability considering he plays at right tackle, which is the second most important offensive position, offensive line position when it comes to pass protection. So I think you need to consider getting rid of Mike McGlinchey or at least finding a successor, maybe even for Daniel Brenskill. I know we have Aaron Banks as the second-round pick that we basically never saw. Maybe we see him now that Brenskill might depart in free agency and you slot you know, Banks right into that right guard position. But... It's never, you know, it's never a bad thing to have better offensive linemen. And I think that, especially when it came to, you know, last week against the Rams, definitely could use better players, basically, in pass protection, run protection, no matter what. Yeah, I definitely agree with your points about the secondary, especially. I think that everyone knows that, everyone and their mom really knows about the Niners' weakness at cornerback. You know, I don't want to see Josh Norman taking a snap. Oh, Josh Norman is a free agent, so that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. so he's, he's gone for sure. Yeah, so, he's probably gone. You know, with the additional cap space that we're going to have with Jimmy getting traded, getting out, 
Um, I, I do expect that the Niners are looking very actively in upgrading that secondary because that's been a very big need. You know, we haven't upgraded the secondary with full strength in in a while now. We haven't put our full focus in that. So I expect that to be a very big area of emphasis during the offseason. I do agree that, um, you know, when we bring in Trey Lance, what will, what will uh, yeah, what will uh, Mike McGlinchey look like? You know, he is that run, he's good at run blocking, but uh, for pass protection, you know, that that's a different story. He's always good. I could, I could do a whole 30 minutes on Mike McGlinchey and why the Niners should not sign him. <laughs> like, I, um, I don't even know where to begin yeah. with that guy, well, honestly. We might we might cover that for a later episode, but yeah, for now. Yeah, we'll, think... we'll probably just save it like a full one-hour special. Oh, yeah. A 100-episode special or something just like that. Mike just just going through the Mike McGlinchey game film. Yes. Yeah, just the whole <laughs> lowlights on that. But yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with that as well. Um, you know, bringing in Trey Lance does add a new dimension of uh, offense. And I think our offensive line will have to adjust for that. You know, we are very good at that run blocking scheme, but um, you know, for run pass protection, what will that look like? You know, um, though those are questions that we're going to have to see. And I do hope that the Niners make some moves on the offensive line. You know, Brunskill and Tom Compton. I, I mean, they they did an admirable job this season. But in that Rams game, they were definitely two of the biggest reasons in my eyes as to why we lost, as I said before. And yeah, I, I, I just expect more out of them next season or we just find a way to get an upgrade. Yeah, I mean, we have very limited uh, draft picks because of the Trey Lance trade. But if we move Jimmy Garoppolo, it opens up a ton of cap space at least to basically, you know, resign some of these free agents. I think Lake and Tomlinson is the biggest uh one that we need to get and then the rest are uh i guess medium priority i think with trey lance you're going to see a lot of a different offense i think that it's going to be even it could be even more run predicated just because of his threat as a runner but at the same time i think that we're going to see a lot more outside uh throws um you know i don't expect kyle shanahan to completely deviate from the play action that he is able to get from the like his zone running game. But at the same time, it just really depends on whether Trey Lance is able to throw it, you know, down the middle. Because it's it's weird because Trey Lance is almost the exact opposite of Jimmy Garoppolo. He's ma- able to make these big throws, but at the same time, he sometimes is unable to make those easy throws. His footwork gets a little sloppy. He's unable to, like, sit still, or he doesn't see his, like, primary read sometimes. So it's just, he, like, I think that, it's going to be a little bit different. I think that the Niners offense that you've been accustomed to seeing, I think that's exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants, but I think that at the same time, he realizes he needs a little bit of innovation. He needs a little bit of kind of, kind of a you know different, I want to say stroke when it comes to Trey Lance because he brings a different element into the game that you know may not be exactly everything that has made Kyle Shanahan's offense so dangerous, but at the same time, it could create a whole new level of you know just terror for defensive coordinators to consider i don't know if it's going to happen you know next season i somewhat expect more of a developmental year which you know fans should dread a little bit because considering how close we've become and you know all the talent on the roster right now you feel like the window is right now 
But I think that if you develop Trey Lance right and he gets accustomed to the game, I think that window just becomes wide open because once you get an elite franchise quarterback like that, it doesn't matter how much talent is on the roster, you're always competing. You're always contending for championships, and that's exactly what the 49ers want. So, you know, maybe it's not going to be a clean, you know, beginning to the Trey Lance era, but it wasn't a very clean year this year, and we were able to make it to the NFC Championship game. So, you know, sky's the limit, no matter what. It's not going to be an easier next year by any means. You know, Trey Lance hasn't really played football as the starting quarterback in almost two seasons now. And you did see the improvement, the massive improvement from the Cardinals game to the Texans game. And that is a strong sign that he has developed as a quarterback. He is more comfortable, you know, dropping back, making throws, um, reading defenses, figuring out how to progress. But there's obviously going to be a lot more attention drawn upon him. He's going to be the guy. Um, San Francisco's offense is going to completely change in my eyes. You know, The thing with Trey Lance that's a double-edged sword is that he adds another layer of dynamicism and the ability to just completely open up the playbook for San Francisco. Shanahan's going to have a lot of ability to design plays, bootleg runs, um, you know, actually using Brandon Ayuk, um, to his fullest potential as a traditional wide receiver one that Ayuk kind of hasn't been able to you know live up to that building this season because there was a doghouse that he was in with Kyle Shanahan and then you know Jimmy Garoppolo isn't exactly the guy that will get you the ball uh, when you're deep down the field so I do think that Ayuk will have a lot more ability to really show his stuff and we can play to more of that dynamic offense that we're quarterbacks improvised, we're all, they're all mobile. You know, the things that you've seen Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen do uh, that have made them their respective teams, you know, contenders year in and year out. And I do think, hearkening back to your earlier point, Matt, about Debo and how you're worried about how he'll be able to hold up, I do agree that that concern is there. But I believe that if you have Trey Lance on the helm, and kind of taking snaps under center, then Debo can also just be used as a traditional, you know, wide receiver. And then on certain designated plays, you can have him in the backfield, maybe not as much as before uh, this season, or in the latter half of this season, the second half, he basically had to do most of his snaps in the downfield, in the backfield. So I don't think the Shanahan offense will change all too much because it works. And I, I think this is exactly what, Shanahan like there's there's no way they're going to throw out the whole playbook just because of Trey Lance because this offense has been dynamic even with kind of middling quarterbacks you've seen Nick Mullins though for um you know more passing yards than like almost anyone who's come into the league other than Patrick Mahomes right that's how good the Shanahan offense is so I think that you know Trey is going to bring in some elements of his game that kind of make the offense better and give the Shanahan like more plays to open up his playbook in. But at the same time, I think that, you know, it's more than likely that Shanahan wants to mold him into the guy that, you know, he's made Kirk Cousins to be, he's made Jimmy Garoppolo to be, which is basically he is able to make the quick play, he's able to make a quick pass and, you know, go down the middle of the field. And I think that, you know, just with Trey's skill though, they're able to kind of use those outside throws a little bit more, and he's going to be able to use his mobility more. So I think that the Shanahan playbook will stay relatively the same, but I think that 
Trey will have to basically, I don't think that they're going to change the playbook basically to fit Trey Lance. I think they're going to try to fit Trey Lance more into the playbook and then they have the natural ability for him to open up more of the playbook, if that makes sense. So I think that's the kind of uh, dynamic you're going to have to watch out for with the 49ers next season. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think we're going to end it right there. It is always a pleasure to talk with you, Vivek. And if you want to hear more of kind of our thoughts, because we're probably going to be talking a lot more this offseason when it comes to the 49ers, when it comes to the NFL in general, you know, this is hardly our first podcast, even though it is our first podcast on the um, platform. Basically, you can tune in to the Sports Council podcast. It's on Spotify. It's on iTunes. It's on Amazon Music. Um, we release episodes weekly usually around the middle of the week. And um, you can also follow us on our Twitter at Bay Council. You know, we hope you enjoyed this special episode of the show. Um, once again, it is on Wisdom. It is a social audio and podcasting platform. You know, we were offered, we were kind of shown kind of the ropes of what it was. And we kind of wanted to try it out um, just to see what it's all about. And, uh, you know, hopefully... You guys like it. We guys like we all like it. So hopefully we can make a couple more episodes just like this. But for now, um, we're gonna sign off for this episode. Thank you all for tuning in, and uh, I hope to see you again sometime. Thanks for listening. Yep. Yeah.